MNK Talk YA now presents The Dream Thieves Part 2 of The Raven Cycle by Maggie Steve Otter. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of M&K Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. And I'm Marissa Snyder. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And this week, we finished the second book of The Raven Cycle by Maggie Steve Otter. I think I said her name right. And it is called The Dream Thieves. What are your thoughts so far? Because we're halfway through the seat. We're solidly halfway through the quadrology right now. Okay, so while I was reading it, I was enjoying it and the story and the characterization and all this stuff. And then when I finished and I kind of took a step back, I was thinking about the larger story and I sort of felt like this book didn't need to happen. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I don't really feel like we moved anything along from before. Like, we, we like lost all the work we did previously and then at the end we were like, oh, let's go fix the ley line real quick because it's actually leaking energy or something. I didn't even fully understand what was going on. And... I was just like, wait, now we just, I feel like we just got back to where we were at the end of the first book, except now Blue's mom is gone. Mm -hmm. And like the things that happened in the first book, like Neve going missing, like Neve didn't come into play at all in this book. Yeah. And the first bad guy, bad guy, Welk in the beginning of of the first book, he died at the end of the first book. So we got this new bad guy, Kavinsky, who also died at the end of this book. So I'm just like, I almost feel like these books are written like they could be just standalone books. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like she wasn't sure if the series would be continued. So she kind of just like ended it and, and made it its own story. But she also, in both cases, ended it on such a weird, like, it's like almost the last <laughs> few lines. It's like, oh, I pulled this out of my dream. Oh, like, here's a That's note. True. I'm underground with caves water or whatever. What was, what was the note again? Let's look at that real quick. So at the very she end. She said, I'm, I'm underground and so is Glendor. Yeah. Blue's mom vanished. <laughs> Yep. <sighs> okay. And also, yeah, it was just interesting because like I, it was like I was entertained while I was reading it. I was curious about Ronan and his background and how his power worked. And I feel like we got mm-hmm. some information about that. I liked Mr. Gray as a character actually a lot, but I just didn't feel like it connected that much to the beginning and it didn't really move the overarching story forward that much either. So I'm kind of curious if that's like just this book or if it's how she writes. <laughs> You know, like if this is like a middle yeah. book syndrome thing or if this is a just how she, or just how she writes. each book is just going to be kind of a different thing. Yeah. But even just like, I feel like there's so much included that right now feels unnecessary. Like there's all these weird details about like the orphan girl that Ronan meets and mm-hmm. I don't know, Kavinsky bringing things out of his dreams and, and, and what, what I thought we were going to focus on, which was bringing back Ronan's mother. Mm-hmm. That happened, but it happened in like the last two pages and it was super quick. And so I was just like, wait, wait, wait. I thought that was going to be like the whole purpose of the second half and it, it wasn't at all. And I felt the same way about the gray man. I really liked him, but I wanted to learn more about his relationship with his brother and like why he feared him and all that. And then he just killed him at the end again in like a paragraph. Yes. Okay. I had mixed feelings about that because like you, I wanted more information, but I also sometimes hate when people are like, 
gonna kill someone or like should kill someone and they just like talk for a long time and like and I'm Mm. like so part of me was like this was kind of refreshing that he just was like this guy you know I need him out of my life he was a hitman so I didn't feel as bad about him killing someone as I might have if he wasn't a hitman and he just like solved the problem without getting into all the details and I don't know (laughs) making it like emotionally messy yeah but we didn't know why he wanted to kill his brother like we had no motive which felt as a reader I was disappointed yeah it was unsatisfying but as a observer of events I don't I don't know how to explain it like I wanted more information for myself but I didn't feel like his character needed any more information yeah I mean because he had it all in his head but we just didn't see it yeah exactly yeah (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, so this was, and I don't disagree. I think probably some of this will come back later. And again, I thought it was interesting and like the dream stuff was cool and could be really helpful later on and whatnot. I just sort of, even though I didn't feel like it was slow at all while I was reading, I felt like things kept happening, kept happening. It was sort of when I took a step back, I was just like, but have we made any progress? Did anything happen? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. But part of me also wonders, even like Adam, like he didn't even realize, he didn't even like deal with his possession or, and it's not possession because he invited him in. I don't, I don't know what, what do we call his current state where he's partially himself and partially caves water? Yeah. I don't know because you were the one who called that out because you were like, he's seeing apparitions out of the side of his head or whatever. Yeah. Out of the corner of his eye. I'm so confused by it. Me too. But I, I guess. I didn't even get that the bargain was that he was going to be his hands and the hands and eyes of Caveswater. Well, that's what he said. Let me be your hands. Let me be your eyes. Or maybe it was vice versa. But he like volunteered that. And I guess it was trying to get his his attention and he was ignoring it. I guess. But that's the other thing. I don't understand. If you if I went to the forest to a magical forest and did some weird spell in a pentagram and (laughs) gave up. My indi- like, I feel like he should have asked more questions or followed through a little bit more. Like, what does this mean now? How do you want to use my hands? Like, mm-hmm. like I feel like instead of, like, I don't even understand him just ignoring it or his friends just, like, pretending like it. Like, I feel like someone should have talked to him sooner. And I guess it was Persephone. Persephone did, yeah. yeah. It was like, here, eat some pecan pie. Come come in. You're out of balance. Right. Okay. And then she did some ritual to correct it, which I guess it worked. Is she somehow related to the girl in Ronan's dreams? Um, I think so, because doesn't he see her as like a small evil child? Adam does. But I wasn't sure if that yeah. was the same as Ronan's dreams or oh, not. Oh, the orphan girl. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, and that's where I was also like getting all confused. I was like, so when Ronan goes in his dreams, is he going to Cape's Water? Yeah, I thought so. Or not necessarily. Or is it just messing with the same magic that's Cape's Water? I thought he was going to Cape's Water because that's where he finds that the trees are talking and they were speaking the language that was on the puzzle box. I mean, that makes sense to me. Okay. I also, I think I had really weird dreams about the puzzle box, but I don't remember the specifics anymore. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, all that was a little, it was a little murky for me. I was, I just don't understand like what we have to keep in the back of our minds for later and what we don't. So like, I I, I don't know who these strange girls are who are talking to them in in Caves Water and I don't know how important it's going to be. Yeah. Or or what's happening with Adam. Like, I don't know how his sacrifice is going to keep affecting him. And Okay, and this is another small thing. Okay. Ronan was almost kicked out of school, but now it's summer. So did he just survive the year? I feel like we glossed over that. Oh, I was not keeping track of time. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even realize it was summer. I thought they were on just like spring break or, I didn't, or maybe they just weren't going to school. But then it was the 4th of July. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, I guess it's summer. So I guess he finished the year I guess yeah 
But even that, I was like, it was such a big deal sort of in the last book. And then we're just like, oh, whatever. (laughs) Well, a lot of things were big deals in the last book. Mm -hmm. Like Blue's mother looking for her father. That didn't come into play at all in this book. Yeah, no, now she's just like all into this hitman as one usually is when a hitman comes to town. I, so what do you think happened to Mara at the end of the book? Like, do you think the gray man had something to do with her disappearing? Or do you think Neve did? I think she disappeared on her own. I think she did something to make her self disappear. Well, they find her note next to the scrying mirror. Mm-hmm. So maybe it has to do with that. And she was able to write a note. So I don't know if she went looking for either Neve or the dad or something else. But I don't think... Someone forced her, but maybe they did, I guess, but... And then she just ditched the gray man? (laughs) Well, so I was kind of thinking it could be, like, the gray man's quote-unquote fault if he, like, woke something up in her and she felt like she needed to, like, finish unfinished business or something with it. But, like, like more in an inspiring way to action, not in a he-did-something-physically-to-her kind of thing. Yeah, because it seemed like they were getting along just fine. Oh, yeah. And, And then she just disappeared. And probably in the next book, we will think that... The next book will focus on trying to find Mara, but that will happen in the last two pages. (laughs) And instead, it'll be about something completely different. Or it won't happen at all until we won't even realize that she had a mom until book four again or something. But yeah. So interesting. Well, here's one thing that I liked that we learned is I was completely wrong about Ronan killing his father. (laughs) I thought that he brought the Camaro back from his dreams and dropped it on his dad, which was not correct at all. The gray man killed his father. Or the gray man's employer killed his father. Oh, the green mantle killed his father. Yep. And I don't understand why he did that because now he was the one who was looking for the gray warren who we found out is Ronan. So why would he kill the last living gray warren if he was looking for it? I think didn't know. that he didn't realize it was a person still. I think the gray man mm. had just figured out that it was a person, not a thing. And so he was trying to like threaten him or get him to reveal where what where this thing was, not realizing oh, it was him. Okay. And yeah. I all, but I'm still confused why you would kill them because then they can't help you. But it sounded like one of was Ronan's brother there? Was Declan there or something? Yeah. Or was he trying to get someone else to talk? I don't know. He killed his father because he thought Declan would see the body and then tell him where the Grey Worm was. Yeah. So I still have some, even though I feel like I got a lot more information, I don't feel like I have a lot more answers. And I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, I still have questions about Ronan and his brothers. Yeah. And like what Declan actually knows and if he's helping oh, yeah. and protecting his family or if he's just like kind of what mo- what's his motivation there and then even Matthew I'm still kind of confused about Matthew <laughs> just because he's he like seems, he's kind of a throwaway character yeah <laughs> he was just like the bait <laughs> it's like everyone loves Matthew and he like doesn't have any opinions of his own and I don't know <laughs> yeah and then we have Ronan Ronan rewrote the will of his father's, which also was, that was a strange loophole where he was like, this will exist unless someone produces another one. So Ronan was just like, all right, well, I'll just rewrite this part about going back to the well, <laughs> property. I mean, yes, he did rewrite it, but he also dreamt and talked to his father who basically told him about the loophole. So part of That's me feels true. like it wasn't so sneaky. It was just a weird loophole and their relationship is strange. <laughs> but yeah, that was weird. <laughs> And I wonder if we'll see more of his mother now that she's woken back up. Yeah, and what she knows and how that affects mm-hmm. everything else going on. And yeah, because does she know she's a dream figment? 
That's a really good question. I have no idea. And I'm still kind of confused about there being... So Kavinsky wasn't actually... He was, a, he was a true thief and not... Like, there was... Wasn't there some someone saying, like, Ronan was the only true... Grey Warren? Yeah. I think so, because Kavinsky was such an interesting character. My God. I'm kind of sad he's dead, because I, I was kind of fascinated by him. I got the idea that... Kavinsky had the talent too, but he was he was taking from the forest in secret. He was like sneaking around, taking things without mm-hmm. permission. Whereas I think Ronan was allowed to take things out, but he had kind of a more respectful relationship with the forest where he like he flat out asked the orphan girl, like, I need to take this. Can you please let me? Yeah. And the trees talked to him too. So I guess mm-hmm. my question is are there more people like Kavinsky or how did Kavinsky get this? Because sort of when there's, once you have two people who can do something, especially not in the same family, don't you sort of think, well, how many other people can do it? Well, I don't know. But then if Ronan is still like special somehow, then I'm curious, how did Kavinsky even learn this skill? And can everyone learn this skill or who can learn this skill? Or how does, you know, I just have a lot of questions. I agree. And also, um, and what are the odds? They both go to the same school in the same year. Yeah. But the whole thing was, with Caveswater disappearing was it disappeared because Kavinsky was taking from that's true the dreams and that sapped the energy of the ley line he was like using it all up mm-hmm. yeah so I'm wondering if there are more people I feel like that would still be an ongoing problem so I feel like he was probably the only other one who was taking from his dreams because they were like in order to get the power back we essentially have to kill Kavinsky yeah or at least along this ley line yeah Or at least irresponsibly along this ley line. But he was also talking about how he had killed his father. Yeah, I got confused by that too. And I was like, where, where does, I I, I thought that was going to come into play and then it never did. I think, well, he said two different things, right? At one point he said, or someone said that he killed his father. And then at a different point he said, if I wanted to kill my father, he'd be dead. My dad tried to kill me, but he didn't succeed or something weird. Right. So I, and, and that just feels like a weird loose end to not tie up. Yeah. No, this this book it, it just has like this um <laughs> I don't even know how to how to describe it. It's a very unique kind of like tone and writing style or something. Like it's just it it feels really unique to me and I I like mm-hmm. it a lot. But yeah, I, I do, do I sort of feel like I feel differently when I'm in the world when I'm reading it and when I like take a step back and like start thinking about it and I'm like, <laughs> "Wait, wait, wait." <laughs> what happened like I I'm I suspend a lot of disbelief while I'm reading it and then when I start to think about it I'm like that doesn't make any sense at all why did I just read that and accept it (laughs) it's very fractured I feel but Mm -hmm. I like it I'm still enjoying reading it Mm -hmm. and that showdown at the end oh my god yeah honestly like if I had to pick a scene from this book that I want to see in a movie I would absolutely pick the showdown between the demon bird man and the fire dragon that was so cool that was really cool I think I would have to agree, but anything where they're pulling stuff out of their dreams was kind of cool. Yeah, that's why I like wanted more of Kavinsky, even though he was like a complete psychopath. I liked how he was just like taking strange things out of his dreams. And then, oh, and then at the end when he kidnapped Matthew and like said he put him in one of the hundred Mitsubishi car, Mitsubishi car, cars, can't say that word. Mm-hmm. And um, was just, like, blowing them up. Like, that was insane. And then he ends up, doesn't he end up, like, blowing himself up with his own fire dragon? Yeah. He, like, has the dragon, like, charges them and kills them. Yeah. Well, yeah, I sort of, I think my biggest question about Kaminsky is, 
what else was there to him? Like, what was his motivation? Yeah. Why? How did he end up this way? Like, sort of that, like, the flip side of Kavinsky. I figured there has to be some interesting story for how we got a character like this. And he was fun, but I was really curious about how, who he really was or how he got to be who he was. I agree. And I think I was thinking about this a little bit because the one thing I did get right was I think Ronan might have feelings for Gainsey. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, did, I did get that right. And I feel like Kavinsky is like the antithesis of, of Gainsey. And I think the whole thing that set Kavinsky off was he wanted Ronan to be with him and they could do this like dream thieving together and he wanted him on his side. Because he has that moment where he's like, you're either with me or you're against me or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like this whole dramatic thing that he says. And that's when when Ronan's like, no, I've, I've always been Gainsey's friend, not yours. That's when he turned on him. So yeah. I think like there was something going on there where like he wanted he wanted Ronan and was mad that he rejected him. That's fair. But there wasn't quite enough detail. So that's still like taking mm-hmm. a leap a little bit. But I, I buy it. it. Is. But but so here's okay. I'm like all over the place. I know. So Ronan. But they had that moment. Okay, go ahead. They had that moment where he was taking the weird pills. Remember, like he was giving him the green pills and then he gives him this red pill. And mm-hmm. then he has, Ronan has this moment where, he, where like, Kavinsky's, like, touching him inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, what the hell is he doing? So I think, like, that kind of made it a little bit clearer. So it was, like, less of a leap of faith That's fair. for me. Like, less of a leap. But I still think it could have been fleshed out better. Well, did he like Ronan because he could take stuff from his dreams? Or did he like Ronan because, like, before he knew that? That's a good question. That was, the, like, I just, I felt like there was sort of a, like, how did, how did Kavinsky even know and find him? I guess he saw him come back from that one dream with the stuff on him. But like, what are the odds that I I just felt like there was like some missing piece. And that also brings me back to what did Ronan's dad tell him about his ability? Because it's sort of like he acted like he knew and he had to keep it a secret before him. But he also obviously didn't really know at all how to use his power. Mm -hmm. So was that because his dad didn't have time or just didn't teach him? Yeah. Uh I have no idea. I I, want to learn more about his dad. And I want to know more about Declan. I'm actually, like, way more intrigued about Declan the less we talk about him. Really? Like, whenever he's there, I'm like, oh, he's kind of boring. But when he's not there, I'm like, what is going on with him? (laughs) I'm not really that into him. I just feel like, I don't know. I I just don't really know enough about him, I guess, to care all that much. Yeah. Well, you know, I tend to, like, find a random secondary character who either (laughs) means nothing to the plot or ends up being the supervillain. So, yeah, (laughs) we'll see what happens. That's very true. (laughs) Um, the other big thing that happened was, oh, Adam and Blue finally had their confrontation. Yes, and Gainsey and Blue finally started to admit that they might be headed towards dangerous territory. Yeah, and and I'm glad that Blue finally told Adam the reason but she she was very harsh about it when she was like, I I know that if I kiss my true love, he'll die. But then she was like, it doesn't matter because it'll never be you. I know. And I was just like, ouch. Yeah. Part of me felt bad because I liked her and Adam, but I also feel like Adam had gone so off the rails and... I sort of agreed with her point. Like, he didn't take her along for the journey at all. But part of me was like, it's because he doesn't even know how. And he doesn't, like, understand this stuff. And, like, part of me just wished things had been different. But I also sort yeah. of understood with where they were now that I guess that made sense. Yeah, I could totally understand her point of view where he wasn't really including her. Like, he did Gainsey and she was just like, why am I finding all this stuff about you secondhand? She didn't feel, like, wanted. But I also feel like if you actually like somebody, you, like at least fight with them before you stop liking them. I don't know. Yeah. It seems <laughs> like give them cool. a heads up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 
I think it was she just really knew she was in love with Gainsey. Yeah, which is also kind of funny. Like, I believed it when I saw it, but I almost don't know if I get the transition because she really didn't like him at the beginning. That's true. And I don't know that he did anything to really win her over. It was just like they spent more time together and whatever, whatever. But same with Adam. I sort of feel like at the beginning he was really good to her and then there wasn't really anything that fell apart. They just didn't. I don't know. It was just kind of like a weird way that it. I like believe where we are now, but at the beginning of the first book or like the second half of the first book or something, I feel like it was a completely different situation and I don't know that I followed the journey to get from point A to point B very well. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like it was inevitable that she was going to end up with Gainsey. So like I wasn't surprised when she broke up with Adam. It, it kind of felt like she was always meant to be with Gainsey. Yeah, because of all the fate prediction stuff. Yeah. Which I'm also curious about if she didn't see him dead and think that like how much of that played into it too where she like might have been paying attention to him differently or like you know even the fact that she kept questioning do I love him no I don't even just having that cross your mind and thinking about someone constantly in terms of that does it make you I don't know like I just I was kind of curious how much was destiny and how much was because she thought it was destiny it made it Mm -hmm. like a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing she was just drawn to him because of that yeah Yeah. I don't know and I don't know what's going to happen between them because they both left it where they allowed themselves to pretend for a minute that they could be together and then they both were like we can't do this to Adam he's never had anyone love him ever we can't be together yeah because it'll ruin him and so now I'm just like well now what well, yeah, I mean, Gainsey really shouldn't do anything. I think Blue doesn't really owe Adam anything at this point. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, not like that sounded worse than I meant it to, but I always feel like in situations where this happens, where someone like goes after someone's friend, I'm sort of like, well, if you're broken up, they're allowed to date whoever they want now. But yeah. it's really the friend who's still your best friend that shouldn't cross that line at all. That's a good point. So, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And I wonder if like, the thing where Adam saw him weeping over Gainsey is going to come back into play. Like, I've forgotten all about that. Oh, yeah. So he saw, he did the tarot cards again after mm-hmm. he rebalanced himself or whatever. <laughs> and one of the cards basically implied that ending and he picked a different card and got the magician ending and he thinks he's changed his fate. Yeah, he picks um, a card for uh, past, present, and future. And he gets the tower, the hanged man, and the nine of swords, which... I looked at my tarot cards and it is a man weeping. Okay. Yeah. So, but what is, I I just wonder what the magician is all about. Like, how does that come into play? Was that just how he's essentially one with Caves Water now? Apparently he could then, he this suddenly, this realization, suddenly him and Persephone are like, oh, now we know exactly what to do and where to go and... We just have to move these rocks around and we're going to fix everything and we have to do this while we're... Like, it was just kind of... There was, like, a missing piece for me of, like, how how did all of these things line up even at all? But whatever. It worked out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm so excited to read the next book. Oh, yeah. I just am curious what all is going to come back into play. I'm curious what the gray man's role is now because he came back, yeah. right? Yeah. So he came back, I'm guessing, for Mora or a large part for her. And mm-hmm. she's gone, but I'm curious what his skills and background or how he, if he like wants to help them or if he like blames them or, you know, if he becomes an ally or not. And yeah, we'll probably get a brand new enemy. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder who the next bad guy is going to be. I wonder if it'll, if Adam will be the bad guy. Like if he'll go, not bad, but if he just turns a little bit. Two caves water. If he just turns a yeah. little bit. Yeah, because, like, he had that moment, too, where he, um, remember, he, like, gets mad at Gainsey, and he, they can't find him, and they find out that he is, just was walking for 15 miles, and he yeah. had, um... Think how, like, creepy that would be. Yeah, what did they call it again? 
transient global amnesia. Oh, of course. Transient global amnesia. <laughs> and he just completely lost track of time and like was in a trance. That would be so freaky if you woke up Ugh. or whatever and you had like wandered that far. I can't even imagine. But I actually, that ties into my research a little bit this week. Okay. What'd you research? Because I researched sleepwalking. Oh, okay. Like sleepwalking stories. Are these going to creep me out too? Not really. I mean, some of them are funny. Okay. Well, actually, I have a funny story about sleepwalking. So my aunt one time (laughs) was sleepwalking. And you know how um, they have like those infomercials that play at night? Yeah. So she was sleepwalking and she turned on her TV and was watching these infomercials about self-cleaning toothbrushes. (laughs) And she bought like 10 of them. (laughs) And she had no idea she did it until they showed up on her doorstep. And she was like, what? the hell is going on she had like 10 pranky me yeah <laughs> so how did you figure out that must have been what she did i think she just like checked her credit card statement and was like i i honestly have no idea <laughs> <laughs> oh this one's that's actually not this is not happy <laughs> okay you can end on a happy note if you want i will skip that one <laughs> This is actually a pretty extreme version. So there's this guy who cooks in his sleep. His name's Robert Wood. He's a 55-year-old chef. He gets up four or five times a week while asleep and goes into the kitchen where he makes omelets, stir fries, and chips. Oh I think they, mean, they might mean fries. <laughs> He's been sleep... I feel like that would be a good person to have as a roommate. Like, if you're going to have a sleepwalking roommate, hopefully they at least make you they food. They cook. <laughs> yeah. But how dangerous is that? Yeah, that sounds really scary. Mm-hmm. He says that now he he doesn't allow himself to sleep for more than three hours at a time. So does that mean he won't hit that deep sleep where you sleepwalk? I think so. Okay. He said once he tried to fill a small bowl with a whole box of cereal and an entire carton of milk. Oh no. Actually, you know what's interesting? My I have a coworker and her husband sleep eats. Okay. So she will like wake up in the morning and there'll be like string cheese all over the apartment. <laughs> and like beef jerky everywhere. Oh and God. I know. And she... They, she like talked to a specialist because she was concerned about it, and the specialist, and she was like, "Should I lock my, should I like, you know, lock my food away?" Yeah. And the specialist said something really interesting. She was like, "Actually, when people sleep eat, it's a good idea to leave snacks out on the counter where they can easily find them because I guess sometimes if people have this urge to eat while they're sleepwalking and they can't find food, they'll like drink drain cleaner, Ooh. and like." Yeah, do like really dangerous stuff. Or I was just thinking, try to get in the cabinets and hurt themselves or something. Okay. Yeah. And I think one time she said she found him like eating a pack of raw bacon and she was like, yep, we need to do something about this. Because yeah. it can get, it can be dangerous. That, that's, yeah, that's scary. Oh my God. All of these are actually really sad. <laughs> and I don't want to read them anymore. Oh, okay. This is funny. In 2005, a sleepwalking computer expert was caught by his wife mowing the lawn naked at 2 a.m. <laughs> She found him mowing the lawn completely naked. She was afraid to wake him up because she had always been told it can be dangerous to wake up someone who was sleepwalking. So she just unplugged the mower and went back to bed and let him get on with it. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that too, that it's dangerous. Is that true? I have no idea. I'm curious. I think it's probably just jarring. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, there's a case in 2005, a 45-year-old woman um, was sleepwalking and sent a bunch of emails. Mm-hmm. She sent a bunch of emails to everyone in her inbox. <laughs> and 
The um, emails were a mix of upper and lower cases, and um, one email said, come over tomorrow and sort this hellhole out. And then another one said, dinner and drinks, 4 p.m., bring wine and caviar only. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that would be so funny. That is great. Well, I I wonder, can I start, like, if I do something silly when I'm drunk or if I drunk text someone, can I start just being like, oh, sorry, I was actually sleepwalking. I went to bed at a reasonable time and I must have woken up and just sleep texted you. (laughs) That would be better, maybe. But then, yeah. I wonder if that would be more believable, though. I'm just going to start developing a sleepwalking problem now. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, there are cases of, there was this one case, I won't go super into it, but there was a case of a guy who actually stabbed his mother-in-law to death. Oh my goodness. While sleepwalking. Um, And then he tried to attack his father-in-law and then he drove to the police and he said, "Um, I think I have killed some people. And then he... Still while asleep? Yeah. And so he didn't have a motive, but he did have a history of sleepwalking. And so he had a team of defense experts who said he was asleep when he committed the crime and he wasn't aware of his actions. And I think he got off. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. That's scary. That is scary. There's also, okay, this is a happy note. He, there's a guy, his name is Lee Hadwin. He's a nurse, but he's a sleepwalking artist. So in his sleep, he produces these amazing works of art, but he has no recollection of drawing them the next morning. I wish I had a secret sleep talent. Yeah. That's awesome. And he said it's, he's mystified by it because while he's awake, like in his normal life, he has absolutely zero interest in art and like <laughs> no artistic inclinations at all. That's almost, I mean, this stuff is like cool, but also could be kind of creepy if you think about it too much. Like, yeah. Well, he said, like, is your body taken over by something when you're sleeping that like, I don't know. He said he started doing it when he was four years old and he began like painting his bedroom walls while he was asleep. Hmm. And then it happened. It just kept happening throughout his entire life. And now he, um, when he goes to bed, he leaves artist materials out so he can easily find them. (laughs) That's awesome. I wonder if I have hidden talents, but my sleep self just can't find the tools. Like maybe if I had out insert tools for something cool here. Yeah. You'd be good at like woodworking or something. Yeah, maybe. Should we try that? (laughs) I don't know. That seems a little dangerous too. Maybe I'm not as clumsy when I'm sleepwalking. Who knows? I also researched a little bit about premonition dreams. Okay. This is kind of... I mean, all of them are so depressing. I guess the most interesting ones were um, there were a lot of people who had dreams about the Titanic sinking. Interesting. So there were 19 people who had premonition dreams about the Titanic sinking. What'd they do about it? Well, one, her name was Annie Ann Ward. She was a maid to a very wealthy family. And they the family bought the most expensive suite on the Titanic. And they actually ended up surviving the sinking. But Anne had a dream before the ship sailed and she refused to go on board. And she said, she, she, she flat out refused to sail. Good for her. Yeah. And then this other guy, his name was Major Archibald Willingham Butt, which is an unfortunate last name. <laughs> he, he had a premonition as well, but he, he ended up going on the ship and he died. But um, because of the premonition, he prepared his will before, before boarding just in case. Ooh, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. I feel like if I felt that strongly to like, well, I don't know, because I guess it's still like this history making thing. And if you're like, I don't know, maybe I would still go on the Titanic if I could. Not well, knowing. they're recreating it. Did you hear? No, I didn't hear. Yeah, they're rebuilding the Titanic and it's going to do the same voyage. Iceberg and all? Same exact path. <laughs> well, let's hope not. <laughs> but I read that and I was just like, nope. 
nope, no way would I ever get on that ship. So what did you research? Oh my goodness. My research was all over the place and kind of not very deep, but a lot of random stuff. So first of all, I was reading about there are some people who are sensitive enough this was specifically about peanut allergies or oral medication okay. allergies, but they're so sensitive to allergies that they can have an allergic reaction if they kiss someone who has eaten that food or taken that medication, um, even if that person's brushed their teeth or it's been several hours afterwards. Whoa. So I was thinking maybe there's something about blue and bees and Gainsey in our future. <laughs> like she eats a bee and then kisses him. Well, that was the problem because this is all about eating stuff, but I was like... Well, maybe can she somehow, I don't know. She gets bee venom on her lips. But that's another kind of one of those things from the first book that hasn't really come up again. That's and maybe true. we just maybe we just had enough of it to paint the picture of why and how he died in the first place. And, you know, now we know that he died and got brought mm-hmm. back to life and blah, blah, blah. But I'm curious to see if it comes back. So I thought that was kind of, I was looking up if there were, were any stories about people like getting kissed and dying like un- like mm. other mm. things so um i also read about this is kind of creepy this thing called the kissing bug and it's a bug it's an insect that i guess bites on lips Ooh. and researchers have found that 30 percent of its victims develop life-threatening health problems including heart disease and sudden death oh my god where does this bug they live they say it had in the u.s there's now 300,000 residents across 40 states who have had some kind of that they like evidence that this bug has bit them or whatever it used to be really plaguing in central and south america for years it also says it will bite people on or near their eyes oh god so what it does is it sucks blood and then it poops near the bite and the poop is actually where a parasite is that causes this disease called chagas If this parasite gets into your bloodstream, that's where you may not show symptoms for years and years, but it can cause things like um, heart failure, stroke, irregular heartbeat, sudden death, et cetera, et cetera. Terrible. Yeah. And it can also be spread through other, I mean, like then it's a blood disease. So blood transfusions or organ donation or anything Mm. like that. But most U.S. blood banks screen for this parasite. So you don't have to necessarily be worried about that. But I had never even heard of it before. Me either. Yeah. So they said it's most commonly found in Texas, Florida, and Southern California. But I haven't heard that much about it. The number is still actually relatively small when you think about it. But it was a little bit creepy. And then I decided to stop reading about how kissing things could kill you. (laughs) (laughs) So I... uh, (laughs) Instead, I looked at interesting stories from... Or crazy 4th of July stories, because we read about this, like, crazy party that happened every year that Kavinsky used to throw, and then basically, I guess they had been so crazy that no one even reacted to these nightmare creatures fighting and blowing things (laughs) up, because they were like, this must just be part of the show, so I thought that was kind of interesting. So, Americans spent more than $1 billion in 2017 on consumer and display fireworks, so I thought that was interesting. One billion. And they also estimated, the Consumer Product Safety Commission estimates that there were 12,900 firework-related injuries in 2017. Oh, no. That's why I don't like fireworks. And 67% of those injuries occurred between, like, right around the week of 4th of July. Yeah. For for some reason, why do I pick these articles? I don't know. My idea was to look at, like, crazy, over-the-top 4th of July things, and instead I went on this thing called Tales from the ER, Weird, Interesting, and Crazy (laughs) July 4th Stories. 
Oh, no. <laughs> it's all about people blowing their hands up, I bet, with fireworks. Why I hate Yeah, but fireworks. that's what you expect. So these are the weird ones. So these are, like, okay. people who... Well, some people just do stupid stuff. Like, one guy, like, had 40 sparklers tied together, and so that heat, like, <laughs> made it, like, it melted on top of his hand and stuff. 40? And that this one is completely unrelated. So this one, this person said his neighbor went missing on a jet ski at midnight on 4th of July on the lake behind his parents' house in Florida. And then when they found him the next day, all he said was, gators must have got him. I wasn't working that night, but it was a good story. He was sleepwalking. Was like, so what? So, yeah. Gators just got him behind and he like didn't want to get any more information. I don't know. That's bizarre. I just like the idea of someone going missing at midnight on a jet ski. <laughs> There was a lot of story. There's a lot of jet skiing on Fourth of July. There were a lot of stories about people. Who, like one guy was so drunk, he had two eight year olds on a tube behind him on a jet ski, and they like no. fell off, and he didn't realize, and he went like four miles away without ever picking up these kids, and like some other family like found, you know, got the kids out of the lake safely, and like called the police on oh, him, and he no. like had no idea when the police stopped him that the kids weren't there. Oh no, that's terrible. I have a lot of oh gosh, my family friends growing up had a house by the river and we would go tubing and her mom was a fiend whenever she would take us and she would like purposely try to knock us off the tube and oh I just have like so many memories of like my jaw being like partially broken because we like smacked into the river so hard I really don't like tubing to this day (laughs) I used to love it as a kid but I haven't done it in a long time yeah, I loved it, but like, you know, then it was like one too many accidents happened and I was just like, I think I'm done with it. So here's another one. There were three people from a rollover MVC. I don't know what that means. I think it means some kind of motor vehicle collision, maybe. So a car flipped mm. over and here's what happened. One of the passengers in the backseat was drunk and thought it would be funny to light a firework or multiple fireworks in the car while they were driving. The driver didn't know this was going on, and so the firework went off, and he was obviously uh, startled, to say the least. So he overcorrected and flipped the car, and all the occupants had, like, burns and ortho injuries, and there was just this one drunk guy in the back seat who came into the ER, I guess, grinning. Um, But, like, just some of these stories were just, like, kind of like, how do people... That sounds like something Kavinsky would do, 100%. Yeah, doesn't it? But I didn't see any really fun 4th of July stories. Yeah, none of those sound like fun, but <laughs> they are interesting. But because though. I decided to pick e- stories from the ER, what was I thinking? So then I decided that I would just look at the six coolest dead languages. <laughs> I told you I was all over the place this time. Is the language of trees one of I, them? So I did not read about that one. But I, I actually thought this was interesting. I didn't know that there's a difference between a dead language and an extinct language. Oh, me either. Can you guess what the difference is? Um, a dead language is one that they still have records of, but no one uses it. In an ex- well, if it's extinct. Okay, wait. Let me rephrase. An extinct language is a language that they have records of, but no one uses it. And a dead language is a language that um, is not that people know and can speak, but it's not used in everyday conversation, like Latin. Yep, that's a really good guess. So yeah, a dead language is, Am I yeah, right? there's no native community language speakers, basically, but they'll use another t- context. So Latin was the example. So in the Vatican City, they'll use it, but in like certain acad- academic and mm-hmm. religious settings and whatnot, but no one like uses it as their native primary language. language. Whereas an extinct okay. language, there's it's not currently in use and there are no longer any speakers of it. Ooh, look at 
look at me. I got something right. Oh, good job. But I didn't even realize they were different things. So I also read that in the early 2000s, there were 7,000 natively spoken languages worldwide. But Mm -hmm. estimates say that as many as 90% of these languages will be extinct by 2050. Oh, wow. And one of the main ways that languages become extinct is communities either become bilingual and like gradually generations shift their allegiance to the new language instead of the native language. Mm -hmm. Um, But also sometimes people will like abandon a language for safety Hmm. purposes or something. So there was an example, I forget where it was, somewhere in South America, there was like some uh, native languages that were spoken, but a lot of like violence and targeting of these groups of people. So basically they like abandon their home site and their language to like not be targeted anymore. Um, And some of these native languages died that way. It's kind of sad. Every time I, like, when I go back to Italy, it's interesting how much more English is peppered throughout their language. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll hear, hear people on the street and they'll be, like, talking about clothing and they'll be like, un t-shirt. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. The, it's interesting how much more it, it has happened, even since I lived there. And it's interesting because it, it can be a cool thing on the one hand if it makes it easier to communicate across language barriers, but it's also a sad thing on the other hand when you think about what's totally. lost in the process so I agree. so I actually I went to this event I was telling you a little bit about it earlier of, of a bunch of debut authors mm-hmm. at a bookstore near me last night and one of the authors wrote she wrote fruit of the drunken tree and it's based in Colombia where she's from so she wrote it in English but she was talking a lot about how she had watched like the news and a translator on the news or something and how they were hearing Spanish and speaking English or maybe it was vice versa. And she thought that was so fascinating. So that was something she did while mm-hmm. writing the book. So she was like thinking in Spanish, but writing in English. Oh, that's interesting. And now the book is in Spanish also and has a big like it's has a following. big Colombian audience, especially, who many of them speak Spanish. And they asked her if she wanted to translate it. But she was like, I couldn't translate it back from English to Spanish mm-hmm. because it was like too oh, weird for me because cool. I'd already translated it in the first place. So she did. Yeah. Someone else translated it and she like read through it. And you know, it's the language she wanted. She made some changes or whatever. But it was just interesting to hear her talk about that experience, too. And it's just totally. I am like terrible at even English, which is the only language I know a little bit about. And I am just so fascinated. <laughs> by people who have a gift for languages or even just know a second language or can kind of know a second language. So I think it's really cool, but I'm bad. I'm bad at all of it. I always think it's funny too when I read a book and then realize that it has been translated from a native text. I always think that's fascinating. Yeah. I read one of my favorite books I read last year was called Hex um, and the author wrote it. I forget what, where he's from, Denmark maybe? But I read the whole book and then at the end it was like translated from the original text and I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like I wish I had known that going in. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously if, if it's a good translator, you wouldn't notice, but I just always think it's, I love looking at like original text and then like seeing how it was translated. I agree. I also, that's like what I've always wanted to do and I feel like the best way I would, I or the most fun way I could ever learn another language for me would be to read some of my favorite books that were translated in their native language and like be able to yep. see how different that experience was. That's a big part of how I learned Italian was I read um, Harry Potter in, in Italian. That, yeah, I feel like that would be the best way to do it. And especially, like I said, if, you know, reading Girl with a Dragon Tattoo in Swedish or like, I mean, like some some of these yeah. like in the, the being able to understand it as it was 
fully intended. intended. Yeah. Especially because I love, I have a lot of those books or I, you know, see a lot of those things. I mean, like we talked about it before, some languages just have words to capture feelings or experiences that like I recognize, but I don't, we don't have an English word for. And Mm -hmm. I think it would just be cool to, because it sounds stupid sometimes if you try to put it into words. (laughs) The sentiment gets lost. So should we talk about the next book in the series? I guess we should. Yeah, we've got two more books left. The next one is called Blue Lily, Lily Blue. Do you want to talk about the cover and how yeah, dressed or not dressed they are? <laughs> <laughs> They're dressed in leaves and flowers. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like a wood nymph or something. Totally. Maybe this is the orphan girl. Maybe. I forget. What is Blue supposed to look like? Is she supposed to have hair like this? I have no idea. Every time, just because she, her name is Blue, I always envision her with blue hair. <laughs> like, um, what's her face from Daughter of Smoke and Bone, Karu? Yeah, I actually kind of imagine her that way too a little bit because she's also supposed to be tiny. And I know it's not actually Karu, but it's Su- Susanna who's tiny. But for some reason, it reminds me of that book a lot too when I'm reading it. Or just yeah. like, or that those characters. Not really anything else about the book, but yeah. Um, okay, so I can read a little bit about Blue Lily, Lily Blue. Okay. There is danger in dreaming, but there is even more danger in waking up. Blue Sargent has found things. For the first time in her life, she has friends she can trust, a group to which she can belong. The Raven Boys have taken her in as one of their own. Their problems have become hers, and her problems have become theirs. The trick with found things, though, is how easily they can be lost. Friends can betray, mothers can disappear, visions can mislead, certainties can unravel. Interesting. So it at least seems like we maybe will deal with her mother being gone and maybe we'll go back to these visions they had in the dream tree. I hope so. And either see them play out or it says they can mislead. So see how they impact their decisions or whatever. Well, there there have been a lot of visions actually too because I was just thinking about Remember when Gainsey was at that in DC, like helping his mom campaign, and then all the lights went out, and they heard this voice oh, that yeah. said in Latin, like the Raven King, make way for the Raven King. Like, what was that all about? Oh, like, yeah. is that gonna? I totally come forgot about that. Yeah, that was weird. I just remembered it when you were talking yeah. about visions. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. So hopefully, we'll get some answers instead of just new characters and new problems. But who knows? <laughs> who knows what this series that'll probably be two new people come to town one of whom will die at the end of it and one of whom will disappear that's my <laughs> prediction <laughs> uh, well did you have a favorite scene because I already talked about mine I liked the bird demon dragon fire showdown yeah I mean I can't lie I think that would be the coolest one to see on screen just because of everything that's happening but I think when Ronan was learning to pull things from his dreams and they were like kind of discovering that someone else had this power and there were all these cars around I think that there could be something cool there where you see them like going into the dream and coming back and like a car appearing or whatever can I confess something yeah I'm kind of over the Camaro yeah I think Gaines is a little over attached I just I'm just sick of hearing about this car like there was a whole thing in this book when Ronan crashed it and he was like panicking and he was like oh I need to go dream it so I can bring it back and he brings it back without the engine I'm just like really over the Camaro I don't know why I mean, maybe it was fair because Ronan obviously crashed it when he could drive it. But even Gainsey, like, taking the keys with him on vacation. I'm like, seriously, yeah. dude? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, like, I'm bored hearing about this car. But I want to know how its tire ended up in the lake. Ugh, that's right. We still have to learn that. Ugh. And... <laughs> and now Adam has a new car. Maybe we will hear less about the Camaro. We'll see. Minor pit. I just want to take helicopters everywhere. Can we do that, Gainsey? Thanks. <laughs> oh, yeah, bring back the helicopter and his sister. Yeah. 
I liked his family. I like seeing another glimpse of them and just figuring out. I think you said it before or in a previous episode you were talking about how like we sort of were expecting his family to also be like not good people or something somehow to Mm -hmm. make him reject his wealth so much or want to reject or you know want to reject who he was but I like seeing that they're actually good caring people even when she's like running for political office and that probably doesn't help her to like cancel engagements his mom and dad and sister help look for Adam and take care of Adam and like come up with ways to give Adam stuff to make sure he's taken care of and yeah like I don't know I just it was a short glimpse and it didn't add a whole lot characterization wise but I I like his family I do and I don't. I don't know. I think I like that they were, like, canceled all their plans to help find Adam. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like, when someone goes missing, that's what you should do. It's not like... I mean, I guess they could have been horrible people and could have just been like, no, we're doing this instead. We don't care about your friend. But remember that moment when um, Gainsey was talking to his dad and he was like, oh, Adam left his family's house. His dad hit him. And, he, and his dad was like, oh, why do they even let those people breed? And it was just like, oh, like such an ugly comment. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I think you're right. They are good people, but I'm not entirely like, I think they're still a little bit detached from reality. Well, they remind me of Gainsey before he made, he was friends with Adam or even Gainsey while he's friends with Adam and Blue. You know how he says things sometimes to Adam and Blue that come across really wrong? Yeah. So I think. And he doesn't mean it that way. They're yeah. like good people who have a very narrow view of the world still because they like don't get outside yeah. their circle enough but I don't like they're nec- yeah. I don't know and I also don't like feel I don't think they're great people rumor. I don't think they're terrible I don't feel that strongly about them in general but yeah yeah well I wonder if we'll see more of them yeah well I'm curious to see what Ronan's mom is like me too Aurora I really hope we meet I her I hope she's like a character <laughs> yeah. me too because I want to see her like interacting with her sons and like maybe she knows more about their dad and maybe she knows more about the dream world where she came from. I don't I'm know. curious also to see if we meet any more of Blue's cousins, aunts, family, friends. <laughs> Mysterious women. Yes. <laughs> oh, you know what we forgot to do? What? What's your Glendor wish of the week? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I don't have a good one. I'm going to say um, that I have a secret sleep talent. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> What's yours for the week? Well, since this will be released after Thanksgiving, I always think this every Thanksgiving. I wish that I had a second stomach that I could just carry in like a handbag <laughs> so that I could keep e- keep eating during Thanksgiving. And I could just carry around my second stomach like in my purse. Like, my purse like I, I agree with that from a I want to keep eating all the time perspective, but I'm also just picturing you like walking into a restaurant with like your little stomach purse and being completely grossed out. So... <laughs> Like, ma'am, maybe take your purse for you. Oh no, thank you. That's my second. That's my stomach. second. Stomach. I'm also like picturing something with cows. Don't they have multiple stomachs? And oh know. yeah. But I like I like where your head's at because I also enjoy <laughs> eating a lot of food and get full too fast. Alrighty, anything else? No. If you guys, if anyone wants to get in touch with us, tell us what your Glendor wish would be, or if you have funny sleepwalking stories, <laughs> uh, you can get in touch by emailing us at mnktalkya at gmail or at or on the Instagram. I was just talking to someone. I'm I use the phrase DM and I felt very like legit. Ooh. You can DM us on Instagram. Please DM or us. just regular message us or whatever comment. You can comment us at MNK Talk YA or we're also on Facebook at MNK Talk YA. Especially if you want to give me pointers for when I meet more authors because I decided I'm doing it a lot, but I'm still really awkward. I'll take those as well. We need to figure out what other authors are going on tour. Yeah. 
so we can stalk them. <laughs> I'm just going to become like a book rupee, a book reader groupie. And just follow them yeah. around the country. That sounds fun. I like that idea. Do, how, how, do you think they would notice? Like if you showed up at every single one of her stops, like at what stop do you think she would notice? Or do you think she even would? Well, knowing me, she would notice because she'd be like, oh my goodness, this crazy girl again? Like not in a good way. Or I mean... But wouldn't you reference it? Wouldn't you, like, the second time be like, oh, I just saw you last night and I'm here again? Like, no. you don't think... What if you didn't say anything? You just showed up, like, wearing the same outfit. Let's, that, let's add that in and see, like, how long it would take her to realize... I'm talking about Marissa Myers, too. <laughs> Specifically Marissa <laughs> Myers. How long it would take her to realize you were on every leg of her tour? Well, I think if I showed up and didn't say anything and was dressed exactly <laughs> the same and wasn't a 14-year-old girl with all my friends, it wouldn't take as long. <laughs> I bet you wouldn't even notice. I don't know. Because there's so many people. I don't know. Let's not do this. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd still have to say something, but without reference. Like, if you said nothing, I feel like you'd stand out. You know what I mean? Right. No, you'd have to say something. You'd have to, like, introduce You'd yourself. have to say something really boring and never say anything <laughs> to make yourself stand out. And, yeah. This would be a weird... Why would you want to go... If you saw her... If you were a groupie and followed her around the country, you should let her know. <laughs> In a cool way. But also, don't do that, because it's just creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Don't follow people all around the country. Okay. All right. Unless it's Glendor. Unless, <laughs> unless you're unless you're on a ley line. Unless you're on a quest to wake a dead king. Yeah. If the forest hands tell you to, then then you should. Then it's okay. All right. All right. Bye, bookworms. <laughs> Go get Wait. a library card. What? We didn't do a joke. Oh my goodness! Is it my turn or your turn? It's your turn. We came so close to forgetting that. My hand was hovering over the stop button. <laughs> I knew you forgot something. How does a priest make holy water? Um, I don't know. He boils the hell out of it. <laughs> I've heard that one. I just totally forgot the answer. That's a good one. That's a very dad joke one. <laughs> Did you hear about the kidnapping at school? No. It's okay. It's okay. She was just tired. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you were still telling a joke. That makes it even better. <laughs> no (laughs) all right on that note bye bookworms go get a library card m&k talk ya is produced and edited by marissa snyder and katie bradford original music composition by timothy milky logo designed by marissa snyder for updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelphy, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.